Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2207. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm, well, I'm practically home. I'm in Tacoma, Washington, with a very special guest by the name of Jake Welk. Jake, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I'm ready, Mark. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, uh, Jake, and you'll learn, I grew up in Gig Harbor, where I live. I've been here for 28, 29 years now, something like that. So uh, he's a hometown boy, knows a lot more about the history of Gig Harbor probably than I do. (laughs) But before I give you a proper introduction and we talk about what you're doing and the fun you're having at a local museum that you listeners have heard me talk about many, many times, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about Jake Welk? Well, quick, fun little fact about me. Some people don't know. I'm actually one of the rare lefties in the world, left-handed people. Okay. So I've been I've been told at least that we are less than 10% of the entire world's population. So that's always a fun kind of instance when I run across somebody else who shares that with me. You know, I'll tell you something. When I was real little, I was ambidextrous. Okay. In grade school, the teachers forced me and my mom didn't even know they were doing this, forced me to write with my right hand. So I lost all that left-hand skill set. And I've always kind of been a little bit angry about that because (laughs) I thought, well, that's kind of cool that you could do, you know, both hands. And there's a great book about titled, I believe it's titled How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. And one of Uh the exercises he suggests you do, anybody, whether left or right-handed, is to use each hand equally as best you can because it activates certain things in your brain yeah both sides of the brain right yeah yeah so have you found that the other lefties that you encounter are on more of the creative side is there any truth to that concept you know i i actually have yeah i think there is some truth to that and and i actually in my own personal life too i kind of attribute that uh my creativity to being a lefty. And, and as you mentioned, I've, I've came across people before when this comes up who have said the same thing as you. Oh yeah. When I was a student, they made me switch and I, I don't know, somehow I made it through. <laughs> you escaped, yeah. You just um, buried your you know, head. <laughs> I, I look back now and I'm, it's kind of fun. I like being unique and, and kind of having that little side of me that's slightly different. And I don't know, to me, it kind of just gives me that little thing that I'm like, Hey, I'm a little bit different than everybody else. And, but yeah, when it comes to creativity, um, I think as I've gotten older, I realized that maybe dating back to when I started being a lefty when I was young, that that may attribute to some of my creativity that I have now. Now, do you have an issue with smearing what you're writing? Because I always looked at <laughs> left, you know writing across the page, and you know yes. we're kind of yeah. So that's something it you have to be real. careful with with ink, right? You do actually. It's funny. I remember in high school, my mom um, would find you know at Target or or the the store. They actually make planners and schedules and notebooks for left-handed people. Right, yeah. Um, and it's it's odd, but they're kind of, you write in the opposite way that you would normally write. So it's kind of like the pages are almost flipped, mm-hmm. uh, but it helps you not mirror when you're writing. And so, you know, I, at this point, I'm doing a lot of work on the computer, so it doesn't become an issue. But yeah, I mean, when I was 
in school, it was it was a it was a challenge for sure. <laughs> yeah, why is your paper all messy? Exactly. Well, well, that's pretty cool. Thanks for sharing that. Let me give you an introduction here. Jake Welk is the marketing manager for LeMay, America's car museum, which is just down the road from me here, across the bridge from Gig Harbor. The museum is an international destination for families and automotive enthusiasts to celebrate America's love affair with the automobile and to learn how it shaped our society. Uh, the facility is 165,000 square feet. It's beautiful. It's been recognized as one of the 10 best automotive museums in the world. Uh, as we said, Jake is a native of the South Sound, born and raised here in Gig Harbor, where I live, which is a beautiful part of the world, and has been an automotive enthusiast his entire life. He's a passionate photographer, filmmaker, designer, and marketer, and he's in charge of LeMay Museum's marketing, advertising, public relations, media, content creation, website, social media efforts, and probably a whole lot more. We'll be back in just a moment to learn more about Jake and the museum, but first a word from our sponsors, so give them a little love, and we'll be right back. It's nice to be home. Covercraft's newest three-layer all-climate cover is especially engineered for moderate weather conditions. Plus, it's treated with an extra UV-resistant formula. It's very soft, it's breathable, and it's easy to store while pampering your paint, providing maximum UV rain and dust protection. If you live where it's windy, well, simply add their gust guards for those windy conditions for extra protection. Your three-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form, and fit with the quality and specifics that have been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and your watercraft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover, whether it's stored inside or out. And I've got a deal for you. If you use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code yeah 21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green and Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. Fall is here, and you know what that means. Time to put a good coat of protection on your vehicle. I'm teamed up with AutoGeek, and they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started back in 1997 as a small mail-order catalog company grew into a multi-website-based e-commerce store, and that's what they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. AutoGeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries. 
and its retail sector ships worldwide. If you want to protect your vehicle this fall, and you should, go to autogeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. So, Jake, uh, let's dive a little deeper into your career. Now, before we get into what you're doing there at LeMay America's Car Museum, can you take us back on a little bit of a journey? And I know you're a young guy. You're in your 20s, right? Yeah, I'm 27. Yeah, just a puppy. Uh, and I mean that with all <laughs> sincere efforts because I'm on the full flip side uh, of this whole thing. You're about the I'm age just, of my son. Yeah, so uh, Just getting started. Just getting started, which is fantastic. But your career path is very similar to mine because I studied uh, business and I studied graphic design and advertising. And I worked in the advertising world for 11 years and then joined a startup. My listeners know Grail's Garage when we were just at the beginning. And I did a lot of creative things for Griot's, much like what you're doing for the museum. I wore many hats. I always say that's why I have no hair left on my head because it (laughs) rubbed it off. So be careful. All those hats, they can do things to you. Right. But let's talk about what brought you to your current position at LeMay. And then we'll get into LeMay Museum, what you're doing there and all the fun things at LeMay, America's Car Museum. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, as you mentioned, I, I grew up in Gig Harbor. Um, I went to school in Tacoma, high school in Tacoma at, at Bellarmine Prep, and then went on after graduating high school to over to Idaho to Boise State uh, University, where I studied digital media communications. Um, and in college was where I kind of started to hone in on that creativity and, and, and digital media, as you mentioned, that you have a background in as well. It's kind of funny because I felt like that kind of lied dormant in me when I was growing up. My grandfather was uh, a director out at the Puyallup Fair for a long time. And I remember going out there when I was young and just kind of in, uh, falling in love with with live entertainment and with large venues and, and entertainment centers. And, you know, when you're young, you don't really think much about it. You just think, yeah, that's pretty cool. But when I got into college and I was studying digital media, I had an opportunity to work in our um, venue on campus, our arena, where we do live sporting events and, and commercial concerts. And when I got in there, I just realized how much fun I was having and how much I enjoyed working in an atmosphere where people come and enjoy themselves and, and experience live entertainment. That was really, really, really where I felt that I started to kind of fall in love with that atmosphere. And that tied sort of into my background and my education with with digital media so when I got out of college and graduated, I came back to Tacoma where I grew up and had an opportunity. I, I saw a door open at, at America's Car Museum um, in Tacoma. And I said, you know, I, I love venues and I love big buildings that people go and, and hang out in and have fun in. So I went for it and, and it worked out. And I've been here for about three and a half years now. So very cool. Great. Well, I've had so many people from the museum. And as you know, uh, Jake and I spoke a couple of weeks ago about my involvement with the museum. I was involved with that museum before it even existed, uh, meeting Harold and Nancy LeMay when I first moved up here almost 30 years ago. Got to know them very well, and they had this dream of building this museum. And for many years, we thought, there's no way that's ever going to happen. It was just so big, and the whole thing was so so many moving parts. But it's there. It's a beautiful facility. I've been there so many times. And I want you to kind of walk us through some of the many things that you have going on there, because it's a huge facility, as I mentioned, 165,000 square feet. It's got a beautiful three and a half acre show field where car events have had. I've had several of my own cars on that field at different Concours events and gatherings and so forth. Uh, Galleries, banquet halls, meeting spaces, car storage, uh, even a cafe. So your involvement is multi-multifaceted. So I'd love for you to maybe walk us through, and I mentioned in your 
intro, all the different things you get involved with. Is there an average day for you working in this career at LeMay? <laughs> I don't know if that exists. Not really. It's And it's one thing that I do love about my my position and that I'm grateful for the opportunity to be involved with the museum is is really the fact, like you said, that every day I go in there, it's something new. And we do have so much going on and there's so many different elements to the museum that I just have so many opportunities to do so many different things within marketing. And, you know, we, we have, as you mentioned, we have this beautiful collection that, that was started by by Harold and Nancy, by the LeMay family, and it has grown over time. We have anywhere from 300 to 350 cars in the museum at all time across four levels. It's built kind of like we describe it sort of as a parking garage. I don't know that our uh, architect would, would maybe agree <laughs> with me using that term. He's got a, a more a Eloquent more sophisticated yeah. term, yeah. right? He, well, right. he calls it a double helix, basically. And what that means is that you can walk all the way down to the bottom and all the way back up without ever crossing your path, which is yeah, it's, it, pretty unique. It's a little, when you're inside, it's almost like, wait a minute, where am I? And I, one right. of the most unique things about that museum is when you're on the top floor, I always play this trick with everybody. And I always say, is the floor sloped in here? Right. Or is it flat? And the way the ceiling and the floor is designed, it's the opposite of what your eyes play a little trompole on you, is right? It, yeah, an optical illusion. And, and that's right. It has to do with, yeah, the way that the the ceiling is, is laid out and, and the way that the, the windows are. And it, it kind of plays a game with your brain um, and messes with your sort of depth perception. But it is it is very flat. And I have confirmed that with the architect of the building uh, myself. But yeah, you know, going back to what you were mentioning, just and every every day for me is something different. And, you know, we have the collection, which is beautiful, obviously, and a, and a cornerstone of the museum. But we, we do over 200 events a year there, private and public events. We have an education department. And so there's just so many different elements of the museum, which really makes my job fun in marketing is, you know, we have so many things. You mentioned the cafe. We have a store. We have events inside and outside all year round. It just gives me so much to work with and so much to to share with our audience, which I think is really a lot of fun for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, that floor thing, uh, I even sometimes when I go to the museum, I bring a marble. Yeah. And I'll ask somebody, How, what's the percentage of slope on this floor, do you think? And they'll guess and I'll set the marble down and it'll just sit there. Yeah. No, like, wait a minute. What? You're pretty amazed. Why right? is it not moving? Yeah, it's kind of a funny, yeah. funny little fact about that. So let's sure. talk about some of the many things that you're involved in promoting at the museum because you mentioned that's a huge number of events. And it is. you guys, there's not a huge staff there, but there's a lot of people that donate time to come and work at the museum. But right. maybe we touch on a little bit of uh, some of the things that have happened at the museum this year. Yeah, sure. We could do that. You know, and, and you did mention, yeah, we have a, a tremendous loyal group of volunteers that really are kind of the backbone of, of the museum. Um, we have a core group of staff that are in there every day, but our volunteers are really kind of the engine driving the museum, if you will. And we wouldn't be where we are today without them and their dedication. But, you know, this year has been a really special year for America's Car Museum and our organization as a whole. We're actually celebrating our 10-year anniversary this year, yeah. of the museum, which opened originally in, in 2012. And so being involved in marketing this year has been a really special opportunity for me just to share with the community, with the with our audience about what has happened over the past 10 years, how we got to where we are now. Just the really amazing journey. And you touched on it a little bit, your involvement 
you know, it's an incredible story. And just dating back to 20 plus years ago with the original vision from Harold and, and Nancy and kind of getting the community behind them to rally, it started sort of as this dream, as you mentioned, um, that kind of seemed like it was, you know, larger than life. But it, there were so many amazing individuals that got behind that idea and that dream. And I'm involved in, in the museums there today in Tacoma because of you know, that passion and the determination of those individuals coming together and saying, we can do this, you know, we can figure this out. And so for me to kind of look back, and again, I've only been involved for uh, the last three and a half years, there's been so much brought to my attention that I've learned about how we got to where we are now. I had an opportunity to um, create a, a video that speaks and, and shows the the past 15, 20 years, the museum and, and tells a story about how we got to where we are today. And that was a really special project, spending time with with Nancy and Doug LeMay and, and some of our other big time stakeholders, board members, people that have been involved and that have those stories. So with that, with the 10 year anniversary, you know, we've had some really, really cool events. You know, we celebrated our actual 10 year anniversary on June 2nd, earlier this year. We had an incredible weekend um, in September where we celebrated our annual gala, Wheels and Heels Gala. Mm-hmm. That was just really cool. We had a lot of really special individuals back in town for that. And so it's just been a, a jam-packed year of, of fun and, and people coming down and hanging out with us. And it's been a great time. It, it definitely is. And I'll tell you, listeners, there's, there's always a rotating collection happening at the museum. There's cars that they have there most all the time. And there's different categories. I'll walk you through a, a couple one that's going on right now is a James Hatfield collection called Reclaimed Rust, which is pretty cool, right? Because you're taking these old cars that have been made into modern sculptures, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's really one of the most magnificent exhibits that we've seen, that we've had at the museum. Definitely one of my favorite that we've had since I joined. And I've just gotten so much, I've been able to spend so much time with that exhibit through my my opportunity with marketing. And it really, like you said, it's just incredible. You know, those cars were originally cars that were owned by people that were driving on the road. You know, eventually they were abandoned or left left behind, moved on from. And, and James Hetfield has had this vision to kind of breathe new life into those cars. Um, and that's where Reclaim Rust comes from. And so he partnered up with Rick Dorr, custom car collector out of LA and they work together to to see the vision through and and the end result is <laughs> it's indescribable you just, you have to come down and check it out it's this kind of mixture of of french art deco and classic hot rods american hot rods and the result is it's amazing. one of my favorite parts is just kind of spending time in the gallery and when people walk in cuz it's the first thing you see when you walk in the door and the expressions on people's faces and the reactions sometimes, it's just that wow factor that people get, things that they've they've never seen before. It's really, it's pretty special. It is. I mean, beautiful, beautiful works of art combining master crafters of bodywork, olding a style wheel, building cars and paint. I mean, it's really spectacular. Right. Another car collection you've had are Alfa Romeo, which you call Born from Passion. Yeah, that's right. You know, and um, at this point, actually, um, Alfa Romeo has been replaced. We have another cool exhibit in place, but we ran that exhibit for um, a year and that was really cool. We had a, a special uh, guest curator, Fred Russell, who's just a, an Alfa Romeo extraordinaire um, walking encyclopedia. And I learned so much from him and had such a great time learning from him. And it was a really cool, articulate exhibit that, you know, it's Italian sports cars, but really it also kind of showed 
the progression of Alfa Romeo, which is really cool. We had vehicles from the 50s all the way up to modern, just kind of walking through that exhibit and seeing, you can just really tell with, with Alfa Romeo that they spend a lot of time building those cars. And you can tell the, the work that's done on them and the engines and the craft is really special. And um, that was a really fun exhibit. Um, at this point, Alfa Romeo left uh, earlier this year in the summer and it was replaced with our new exhibit, um, which is actually uh, a dedication to Harold and Nancy LeMay. And so it's about a dozen or so cars from the LeMay collection. Some of them are from our collection. Some of them came from the LeMay family private collection or the collection out in Spanaway at Marymount. Again, just some really cool, unique cars. You know, Harold had the largest collection of automobiles in the world at, at one point before he passed away. But he also had some really, really unique kind of weird cars. And so we have a really cool opportunity of having some of those really unique cars here. We have a um, a Gia, which is a, a unique car. We have the turbine, jet turbine car that's kind of infamous. It's got a, a Boeing jet engine in yeah. it. Um, <laughs> you know, a, a tow truck that he that has his business logo all over it that he used um, for his refuse company. So just a lot of really cool stuff. And it really just kind of exemplifies who Harold was and what the LeMay family stands for. And that's a lot of fun to, to have right now. Also, you're, um, learn- you have a learning lab talk. I think it's titled Powering the future we do yeah Yeah, we have a we have an exhibit called power in the future it's overseen by our education department and that's all about alternative fuel sources and alternative ways um, of, of the future of transportation which is really cool it explores opportunities for cars to be running in other ways than just uh, fossil fuels and gasoline. And what that exhibit does, it's education centered and it it really it's fun to see because uh, students uh, who come in and experience that. There's parts of the exhibit on that ramp that kind of test your knowledge and sort of have you exploring, you know, the alternate uh, possibilities of how cars can be powered. And I think a young mind seeing that work and seeing what what their vision is. I mean, this is the new generation that that someday will be maybe driving a flying car or a car that runs on vegetable oil or something like that, you know. And so to see these young students um, who may be in a situation someday where they're driving this this new alternative form of transportation, to kind of see their minds going and, and thinking about what that may be, it's really a pretty cool opportunity to see that. I think so. I, I tell people sometimes that are young, do you know the first Porsche made was electric? And they go, what? And right, you talk right. about early cars. I know on the lawn at Pebble Beach, they had a whole collection of electric powered vehicles from the teens and turn of the previous century. And uh People kind of go, wow, I had no idea. And I think at one point there was steam, electric, yep. and gasoline together. And gasoline ended up winning uh, right. the race, if you will. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a really cool part of what you have going as well. And there's lots of other things for you to see. You can go to the website, uh, LeMay, or just go to americascarmuseum.org or type in LeMay Museum and it'll pop up and you'll see all these. We're going to take a short break. We come back. I want to talk about your passion for cars, Jake. So uh, keep the seatbelts sure. on and we'll be right back. <laughs> You've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine here on Cars, yeah, for a couple of years now. Well, they're growing. And in 2023, they're going to grow from four issues a year to six. And there's an opportunity here for you to take advantage of this growth. If you go to linkagemag.com and click on the renew button, if you already subscribe, you can get a great deal. Use the code renew 6 for one year, and you'll get six issues for the price of four, or 
Type in Renew12 for two years where you also have a great savings. Plus, they'll even throw in a free Linkage hat. How cool is that? The publisher of Linkage is Donald Osborne. He's been a guest multiple times here on Cars Yeah. He's become a good friend of mine. And I'll tell you, Linkage Magazine is one of those newer magazines that you're going to want to get. It's all about experiences, opinions, and values. It's a wonderful publication, something I look forward to getting. And now that I'm going to be getting six a year, even more special. So go to LinkageMag.com. Again, use the code RENEW6 or RENEW12 to get that special deal. Do it before December 31st, 2022, so that in 2023, you'll get six issues of Linkage Magazine instead of four. Want to hear something crazy? Veterans work on billions of dollars of vehicles, planes, and engines while deployed, but they can't touch our car until they've obtained a certification and training requirements for employment back here at home. That's crazy. Dick Force Foundation Military Transition Fund provides scholarships and grants so our veterans can transition to great careers following their service for this great country. Support Tech Force. Support Tech Force a charity of choice here at Cars yeah, and its workforce development efforts for our veterans by donating at techforce.org today. So let's talk about, well, I'm going to back up a little bit and talk about maybe a mentor in your life. Um, has there been somebody that's been very influential in helping you move forward in your career? Yeah, definitely. I would absolutely say that my parents have been instrumental in um, helping me become successful in my career and getting to me to where I am now. You know, they they were the ones who who pushed me to go to school and and help me get through school. And at times when you're young and you're a student, you're thinking, why I don't want to do this. They pushed me to to work hard and and get to where I am. And um, I just look back now that I'm older and into my career, and I. I'm just really grateful for that. And obviously, it's that cliche cliche statement that everybody always says, but your parents always have your best interest in mind, right? And you don't always see it when you're young, but it's definitely what happened in my situation. And they've been there every step of the way with me. It hasn't always been easy, but they're kind of the people that I go back to and say, oh, you know, this happened or this isn't panning out who I wanted or what do you guys think about this opportunity? And they're always there to say, go for it or, hey, this is what you got to look out for in this situation. And so, it's been an exciting journey. And as I've gotten older and, and gotten further into my career, it's been exciting to go back and share with them new opportunities that I've had. And I think at the end of the day, they just really want to see me be happy and do something that I love to do. Of course. You know, and so I think that's really what it's driven me to be where I am now is is my family roots for sure. Well, not everybody is fortunate to have a great parent like you and I, and right. some people don't, and they have to find their own way or find mentors. And I always suggest if a listener out there does not have supportive parents or don't have parents anymore, whatever the situation might be, uh, seek out strong mentors. And absolutely, you know, parents always. Your parents probably told you this. Mine did. Surround yourself with people that are better than you, stronger than you, more talented than you, and right. you will strive to be them versus the uh, don't surround yourself with losers because you'll become one of them. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty simple, basic thing, but some some young kids just don't get that, and they don't have the support, so you're very fortunate. How about a challenge? Has there been a great challenge in your career path or life path that has kind of set you back, but now that you look back on it, taught you a really valuable lesson? Yeah, actually, you know, it's something that happened recently and it's something that all of us share now as a, a part of our history and our our time here recently. And that's the challenges that we've all faced with the, the pandemic, yeah. with COVID. It's obviously touched all of us in an unfortunate way. But, you know, the thing about it is as horrible as it has been, 
there's also some things that have came out of it that are positive. You know, people have, we've seen people come together and, and support each other and it hasn't always, you know, it's, it's a horrible situation, but when you look at it in a positive way, you can see that it's really tested character and, and brought in people closer together through it. And so with that being said, I mentioned I started at the museum about three and a half years ago. And, and when I talked about my time in college, working at our venue on campus, that job that opened at the museum in 2019 that I applied for was actually a job in our private events department. And coming out of college, I just thought, you know, I've, I've enjoyed my time working events and doing production. And here's a job at a, a big venue in my, my hometown. And um, I'm going to go for it. You know, I like events and I'm still kind of figuring out my path in my career. So I'm going to go for it. It seemed like a good opportunity to get my foot in the door with a good organization, a place that seemed like it was fun to work. And nine months later, there I am in my career. <laughs> Less and they shut in my the career. whole thing down. And, and the pandemic shuts yeah. shuts our doors. Uh. A lot of us, uh, you know, went on temporary leave from from our time at work. And, you know, so I'm at home and I'm sitting there. I'm going, oh, my gosh, you know, this was my which, what a cool opportunity I had to be at this amazing facility. And now I'm not even sure if I'm going to have a job or if we're going to, you know, recover from this. And obviously everybody to a certain degree, most people were, were thinking that and were in similar situations in their environments at work too. But, you know, I was just a little bummed out. I'm going, man, this is, you know, something that is all out of everybody's control, but I obviously no one expected it. And, and that pandemic rocked the world of events forever. They'll never fully be the same, but really what happened was I mentioned I was discouraged and not really sure what to do, but sitting at home, I did some soul searching and got back in touch to what I went to school for in college, and that was content creation and, and digital media. And I just looked for ways to help the museum through the difficult time, through the pandemic when we were closed. And it started with, with uh, photography and, and taking photos of the collection and getting content for social media, You know, reminding people that, hey, we're still here. We're excited to reopen when we can. Don't forget about us, you know. And that um, opportunity kind of led me into more and more chances to get involved with marketing. I ended up talking to our leadership and just said, this is something I love and have a passion for and I'm interested in. And they said, cool, you know, let's, there's no events going on right now. So let's get him involved. And, you know, over time, one thing led to the next. And now I've, I've been in a full-time role in our marketing at the museum for a couple of years now. And it's been something that I've really enjoyed and that I have a passion for. So you know, the moral of the story is is that sometimes even in adversity and, and in a challenge, if you stay positive and stick with it, uh, it doesn't always look day to day like it's going to work out for the best. But sometimes opportunities come up in, in the most inopportune times. Yeah, you turned the proverbial uh, lemonade out of lemons <clears throat> situation. And, <laughs> right. You know, it's yeah, uh, people had to get really creative. And out of that has some, come some really, really interesting opportunities and new ways of thinking and doing things. Uh, one of them is this idea of remote workers that many companies hated the thought, didn't think it could ever be done. And now they're realizing, hmm, this might be better for our employees in some cases, because it provides them with more time to focus on what they're doing instead of the commuting. And a lot of times when you're in a work environment and there's a great camaraderie, but there's a lot of distractions. And I would right. imagine you've discovered this as my kids who work remote and many people I've talked to, you almost end up working more when you're remote because you can really dial in the focus, right? Yeah, you know, and I think from a, a creativity standpoint to a content creation standpoint, content writing, for me, somebody who's kind of introverted, I do 
enjoy kind of a quiet environment. That's where my creativity starts to flow. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, I do spend a ton of time at the museum because it's such a hands-on position. And and with it being so much of a a venue and, and it's so lively, there's you know, most of the time I am there, well, you know, fun to be on the there floor. You're exactly, by exactly. For sure. But, you know, I do have opportunities at times when I'm creating films for the museum, for exhibits and stuff like that. Those are great times to kind of get away and be alone and create. Yeah. And not having that disruption of your creative path, you know. And so it's kind of a cool opportunity to do kind of a mix of both. But I do really enjoy being on site still. What it does, you know, you mentioned the opportunity about working remote. We do have some individuals in our organization that are remote and they they work across the country. Um, and what's so cool about that is we get to work with those individuals and they've been able to stay with our organization for a long period of time because of the the opportunities and the tools we have to work remotely and, and collaborate together even across a, a screen, which is really a lot of fun. So let's talk about a special vehicle story for you. Is there a special vehicle in your sure. past? And tell us about it. <laughs> there is. My grandpa, when I was growing up, had a 1961, uh, excuse me, a 1969 Mach 1 uh, Mustang. Yeah. Uh, it was bright red. It had a black, kind of matte black stripe. And I remember being younger, you know, we would go over his house um, all the time, but especially for holidays and stuff like that. He was kind of the the one we'd all meet up with, the whole family would meet up with. And I remember going out there in the garage and, you know, pulling up the cover and seeing the car and <laughs> just thinking when I was young, thinking like that was the coolest thing ever. I've never seen a car like this or been that close to a car like this. Those kind of cars aren't, aren't on the road as much anymore. And so it kind of just, it was something I was like, man, this is really cool. And so when I got older into my teenage years, my grandpa actually restored that Mustang. Uh, he rebuilt the engine and the suspension and, and had all the upholstery done and, and repainted. And it was like a brand new car again. As I got older and, and got my license, you know, originally it was riding the passenger seat, but then he was gracious enough to to switch spots with me and let me get behind the wheel. Oh, and fine. as a 16, 17 year old, I don't know, getting behind the wheel of that car and, and turning the engine over and kind of feeling the power uh, that you have and um, in your foot and in your in your hands, gripping the steering wheel. It was a really special experience. And I, I kind of look back and, and think about how that sort of ignited that passion I have for cars and for the automotive industry. And, you know, I just remember driving around town with him and people would wave and honk and, and do all that kind of stuff because it was such a cool car. And looking back, that was some really great memories I had with him that, that we shared together and, and ultimately bonded over that car, which which brought us closer together. You know, so it was really cool. Nice story. Well, as you know, I have a doctorate in car psychology here at Cars. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on my wall somewhere. <laughs> I can't find it right now, but it's up there somewhere. Any rate, uh, if you were reincarnated or manifest as a vehicle, what would you be and why? So, you know, I thought about this for a long time. And what I ended up finding out, we actually have one of these at the museum. Oh, cool. I like the Chrysler 300C, kind of late 50s, early 60s, 1957. And the reason why I think about that car is in relation to who I am as a person. You know, nowadays that car is is sought after by collectors. It's, It's something that, you know, has a high value. But back then it was marketed. It was a it was a family car. You know, and it was kind of, it wasn't maybe the most flashy car driving down the road, especially in the 
the 60s when you had all these incredible pony cars and, and sports cars. This kind of, you know, it was cool looking, but it was kind of just a unassuming car. But under the hood, you have this, you know, <laughs> three, 400 horsepower. Yeah. And so to me, that's kind of who I am as a person. It's kind of like I don't look to be the center of attention. I don't like to draw a ton of unnecessary attention myself. But under the hood, I'm I'm all business and I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm here to get the job done. And I think that's what I'm all about. And so when I think about who I am as a vehicle, it's kind of that kind of sleeper car mentality. Great way to think of it. I'm trying to remember, I've seen the the Chrysler there, the 300C. It's a late 50s car that you guys have at the museum? Yeah, we have we have two, actually. There's a white one and a red one. And I'm, if I'm not mis- mistaken, I think it's we have a 57 and a 60. Um, and the 60, 1960, which is a 300C, has actually been all over the country. It's it's uh, been a car in our in our drive home. Oh, that's right. Yeah, which happens every year. The parent company that I work for, America's Automotive Trust, which oversees America's Car Museum, has their huge event, the drive home every year, and it's really an incredible event where a group of cars sets out and drives basically across the country together in a convoy. Yeah, it's pretty good, pretty neat. Yeah, and so this car has been all decaled up and 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 has been driven, you know, driven in the snow in Detroit and all these places and so it's really cool. It's a it's a cool thing for sure. Well, maybe one of these days they'll toss you the keys and you can drive that car. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I'll put that in a good word for you, okay? <laughs> Appreciate I that. I think that'd be awesome. So, how about a great book? Is there a book that you'd like to share with our listeners? I would. Yes. The book that I have that I'd like to share is Trevor Moad's Getting to Neutral. And for those who are unfamiliar, Trevor Moad, actually, people may know him because he was Russell Wilson, the quarterback, NFL quarterback, longtime friend and and mental strength coach. And he worked with a lot of other professional athletes as well. Alabama, University of Alabama coaching staff, just a tremendous character, tremendous person. Unfortunately, sadly, passed away from cancer last year at a relatively young age. He was a actually a, a family friend of ours. I uh, grew up with my mom in Lakewood, Washington. Oh, and really? Yeah. Oh, wow. We've known him, known his family for a long time, and and my mom and him were close growing up. And um, I had the opportunity of meeting him on a few occasions, and just one of those people that kind of has that aura around him, if you will. Anyway, back to his book, Getting Neutral, Getting to Neutral. It's kind of all about this creating a mindset of, of positivity and having a positive attitude and approaching every situation with a positive attitude, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great book. It's uh, It's been recommended a couple times here. And I think the subtitle is something like How to Conquer Negativity. Then exactly. Thrive, exactly. Thrive in a chaotic world or thrive in a yeah, chaotic world that's, or something. Yeah. And that's pretty much what it's about. You know, it's, it's, you know, the fact that it's easy to be positive when things are going great, but it's more about how you react to a situation when things are not going so great and when things are difficult. And so the philosophy behind it is all about maintaining that neutral thinking, being in the present, being positive. And that's something that I really just have applied to my life. And and through difficult situations, I look for ways to pull out a positive within a negative. And I find enjoyment in saying, hey, this isn't going well, but you know what? At least I got this out of it. At least I can look forward to this, right? So that was something that reading that book 
kind of apply to my life. Great book. Pretty cool that your family uh, knew him. I'll put a link to that book in Jake's show notes page. I'll remind you listeners, this is a great place called Guest Recommended Books on the Car Chef Podcast website. And there's over 2,500 books listed there, all with quick links to buy. Uh, wonderful books recommended by my inspiring automotive enthusiast. So let's go on the ultimate drive. I'm going to park anything in your garage. <laughs> you can take it anywhere and you can take anybody with you, even somebody from the past who's no longer with us. So what's that drive or ride look like for you? So I'm thinking about somebody who I would enjoy riding with or driving with would be Harley Earl, oh, who's an wow. uh, automotive designer, General Motors. We have some some work done by Harley Earl in the museum and also some inter- interesting information on the wall on some of our exhibits about him. And I've always been really fascinated with his his concept cars, um, like the LeSabre and the Buick Y-Job, which eventually became the Corvette that we know now. You know, and I just think somebody like that, um, who's kind of larger than life, right? An innovator, somebody who was ahead of his time. And those concept cars really, to me, as a as a creative individual, you know, that was his his vision and his creativity coming out in a car world where those were things that had never really been seen before, you know, and, and so that was really cool. I've always been drawn to that. And so I would think that it would be fitting to be driving with him in a Corvette, that being the car that kind of came out of his his concepts. And when it comes to who would be driving, I think I'd let him do that job so he could kind of, I'd want to sit back and see how he envisioned that car being driven and what he did when he drove and when he, when he created that. So to me, that would just be a cool opportunity, a real, a real pioneer in the automotive world throughout history and Having an opportunity to talk to somebody like that would be really a cool experience for sure. And then uh, pull up a new C8 and have him jump into that <laughs> right. thing. He'd just go, what on yeah. earth what is, is going this, on? Right? Oh, <laughs> right. my gosh. Yeah, the Italians so. have come to town. Well, you've taken us on a wonderful ride today, Jake. I can't say how much I appreciate you spending time with me today. Could you leave us with some words of inspiration, uh, wisdom, a success quote, or a mantra? Sure thing. Yeah, I think that I would just say through my experience, whatever you're doing in life, find something that you're passionate about. And you kind of mentioned that a little bit earlier that, you know, there's just not enough time to be not enjoying what you're doing. My advice would just be focus on something you love to do, focus on something you're passionate about and go for it, you know, and the rest will figure itself out. I've learned in my career that no matter what situation you're facing, there's always two things you can control and that's your attitude and your effort. You know, and if you have a good attitude, a positive attitude, <clears throat> and you put your put hard work in, put effort in, you know, the rest the rest is going to take care of itself. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Uh, you listeners can find out more about the museum by going to americascarmuseum.org or just type in LeMay Car Museum and it'll pop up on any browser. Uh, they've got a robust website. You can learn all about them. And if you find yourself in the Pacific Northwest, stop in, say hi to Jake. Uh, let me know you're going to be in the area too because I try to get over there as much as I can. It's a wonderful place to visit, great website, and all the many events they they put together. Uh, all of them are fun. I've been to many, many of them. So this is awesome. And by the way, too, I've interviewed many people who've worked at the museum in the past. We've got a gentleman, I believe, coming up to who's going to be working in the museum that I had many years working with. So maybe we'll get him back on the show once he's got his feet on the ground and working there. Uh, Jake, thank you for uh, being so generous today with your time and sharing your experiences. Love what you're doing there. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. <laughs> thank you, Mark. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! 
Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!